Hey, welcome to this bonus episode of We Speak Common. Uh, my friend Sam asked for some help in fixing his derailed campaign, so we're going to sit and chat about what's happened and hopefully put together a action plan or some key points and tips to get things back in order. Hopefully, if you're experiencing the same thing, it'll help you do the same. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. It is, of course, the D&D show brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon, who are the UK provider of beautiful, pristine uh, metal and resin dice. Uh, you can get 10% off with the code we speak common at checkout or follow the link in the description of this episode probably below it's normally below uh, it's also the podcast brought to you in partnership with describe who offer over 1400 scenes of places monsters and spells and the collection continues to grow it's just like box text from your favorite adventure book but designed to be read aloud in your own campaign you can free your creative energy and the time that you have for all other aspects of planning and running the perfect adventure and stay ahead of your wayward party uh, you can go to describe.com that's d-s-c-r-y-b and use the code COMMON at checkout to save 10% on a subscription or you can check out the description below and follow the link and it will automatically apply it. They do have some free uh, box text for you to go and have a look at but of course subscribing gives you access to thousands of more so go and check them out the show is also supported by some amazing patrons who get access to a private discord server which is growing and chatting every single day and of course the 5e content that I am creating and putting out onto the patreon so if you want to go and have a look at that again links below it is an optional thing the other way to support is just to share the show which honestly does more than you know so this is a bonus episode of we speak common uh, it was not really planned until about like three days ago and i'm joined today by sam hey there mate i'm i'm a little bit you know frustrated ben <laughs> my campaign's yeah. gone under, you know, and I know I need you to be my agony aunt right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically, you're running a campaign, and you've it's gonna be off the rails. You've kind of lost direction, and we're gonna sit down and basically go through it and and try and fix it. So I don't know how long this is gonna be. And it hasn't really got a structure. We're just going to sit down and do this. We haven't planned it. But I thought, hey, it could probably be useful for anyone who is in the same position where you've thought, oh, I'm not really sure where this campaign's going. How do I get it back on track? How do I put it you know, back on the rails effectively? Um, what, what is the first step? What is the next step? What are the questions I need to be asking? Listening to this should hopefully, if we're successful in fixing your campaign, uh, should hopefully give you some some inspiration. We are chatting over um, a Discord with some dodgy internet, so I might get you to repeat yourself a few times, Sam. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, let's get into it. So, right. So tell me, uh, basically, let's start with the background of the campaign. So what is the the key stuff? What's the elevator pitch, first of all? Like the simple elevator pitch of the campaign. So... Uh, my adventure that I'm currently running is set in Wildmount, which hilariously I said wrong for a very long time, and then yeah. let me know that I was saying it wrong. <laughs> um, so, 
Essentially, it was I was going into it as a sandbox campaign of like I want the players to guide the story to a point of like dangerousness because it was like if you give my if my players have too much control, the story can go off track and then there's no plot, then you've got this problem that I'm having of the campaign not working. It, it all started um, as a... So, in the Explorer's Guide to Wildermount, which what? I actually... What? Wildmount? Wildmount. See, see, there it is. I've already got it. I've already got it. It's I just in my head. Wrong. It's unique. It's unique. It's fine. Um, so, in the back of there, you've got a couple of, like, starting adventures, and they're really helpful for getting characters in the world. Yeah. So my players, when I started this campaign, we set up through the Heroic Chronicle. So the Heroic Chronicle sort of put their characters or it actually sort of like inspired their character concepts. Yeah. So that was really nice. So it meant that we had some really strong built characters with like good backstories and all of that. And then we had a good place to start, which was one of the starting adventures. I specifically chose... The adventure called Tides of Retribution, Mm -hmm. um, which for those who haven't played it, it's sort of like the introduction to the Menagerie Coast and pirate adventures. Yeah. But obviously, I feel like one of the setbacks, this is like one of my first setbacks at this campaign was that the characters didn't necessarily fit that starting adventure. Mm-hmm. So that that I I see that now as like a personal setback because it's like the characters didn't fit that adventure and they were sort of like forced into that and then once that small little adventure was closed, I then allowed the characters to like go off on their own paths because originally, in my head, I was thinking, okay, well I'll get the starting adventure just to kind of give the thing momentum so there's aim, and then. I will coast from that and let the players guide the story. Right, okay. Which was working, and it worked really nicely for... We're on our, like, 20-something session now, and that worked nicely. But it re- there were a couple of events that happened in the, in the story, and because I'm quite like... Um, I, I feel like I share this with you... In the sense of like, I don't want to retcon anything. Uh-huh. And I don't really want to go back and for the story to be like retold as I've gained more experience. I want the story to sort of flow correctly. Mm-hmm. So it's created problems down the line that now as I've got more experience, it's become hard to fix because I then need to sort out the things that I didn't know about. That okay. makes sense? So... You've you basically said I want to run a game in the Wild Mount setting. I've read the mm. book, I know the setting, and I've gone through the adventures and I've picked one which I think is pretty cool that would be a good starting point, kind of like my version of Lost Minds of Fandelva. And then I want the characters to have a sandbox experience where they can say we're going to go over there and we're going to do this thing, and that will then inspire whatever happens next, and then what happens next, and then what happens next, right? Yeah, which I think. First of all, my first piece of advice to like other DMs, if you're like starting out, don't pick a sandbox adventure unless you know your players are going to be 
you know, proactive. Un- you, yeah, you need to know that your players are going to be proactive and they are going to, to be the ones that want to find the story. Yeah, In my so... case, it's like they will wait until they're given something to do. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, we've talked about Sandbox before and it can be very, it can it can go really well, but it can be very tricky to get right. And I think the expectation, so I'm just hitting the mic there, the expectation when you go, I'm going to run a Sandbox campaign, is kind of like, I'm just going to know the world and the players will come up with the story. But that's never really how it works. There are always moments in D&D where players do things and they generate story beats and hooks because of the things they've done. And a good DM will take those and utilize them and, and make something out of those moments. But the problem is you don't get those moments every single session and you still need some form of objective because if you get to that point where you're like okay i've done x thing what do i do next they they're then directionless and they're like well we can just wander around yeah and see what happens that's that's the problem it's Mm. the fact that it's not necessarily that i'm not because i feel like as a dm i'm facilitating to my players in a way that's like quite good because we've had those really powerful like player moments and we've been really excited Mm. but it's then the in between them of like the whole party not really knowing what their objective is and i sort of sit there and go oh they don't really know what they're doing and in my head obviously i've had plots and stuff but Mm -hmm. i i don't you know have a big thought out end game scenario do you get what i mean yeah i totally get what you mean and i had a very similar uh, experience with my homebrew game uh, quite a few years back and i i had these stories and these plot hooks and the characters were following them and learning them but they the players didn't really they weren't what's the right way of explaining it like they kind of they kind of knew what they were doing but they weren't sure why yet and things like that so the first thing i'd say is if you for sandbox even though you're going to have your players have the freedom to go anywhere, you still need to have a story beforehand. Like sandbox doesn't mean that there's no story. I think that's the first, the first thing we need to cover. So if you're going to run a game in Wildmount, like you are, I'm going to, I'm going to use Wildmount as a, as um, like the basis of this example, because that's what you're doing. And I want to try and make it as uh, easy for you to, link your campaign to what we're saying basically mm-hmm. um yeah. and i don't know all of the wildmount lore i haven't read the book cover to cover so you might have to correct me on some things but if you're going to run your game in wildmount and you're saying i want it to be sandbox i want my players to be able to say do you know what we've heard an interesting thing by an npc about the menagerie coast we're going to go there or oh we heard an interesting like a, a an npc said something about how there might be a dragon in you know the frozen wastes we want to go there because we want to fight a dragon that's great but you need stuff between the players saying we want to do x and y so i would say the first thing to do is to find something about the world that you like something you want to use as a basis of a story and develop that so the easiest one that comes to my mind because it was a big part of the critical role campaign and it's a big part of wildmount is the war right so there's a big brewing war going on between the um who is it it's the uh dynasty and the cream dynasty and the dwendalian empire thank you yes so 
if that seems like an interesting, let's say that's an interesting plot point to you, like, oh yeah, I love this idea of war tension, wartime, like rationing and like going through armies coming around and like basically taking over towns and things, then great. You've got your, your theme there. But just because you've got that doesn't mean that the players are going to run into it or, or get involved with it. They might not be keen to. And I mean, this is always that thing of you've got to make sure your players and you as the DM are, are going to be telling a similar story. You want to be telling the same story because you want to prepare a load of stuff and then they'll be like, no, we don't want to do a war campaign. So, you know, that, but that's sort of 101 D&D. Um, so now you know you're going to focus on the war. So you go, okay, let me read up on that. And I've read up about this NPC or I've read up about this area of the map that is currently a battlefield and I've read out about you know this area here there where there's a a thing that both sides are looking for but they don't know that it's there they're both kind of searching for it so let's say they're both searching for us an ancient artifact that's buried in a dungeon deep under a forest somewhere right and they both of the sides of the war know that there's this artifact it's a very powerful artifact and they want to go and find it what you do as a DM is you, in a sandbox game, you seed this artifact, you seed the the war, and like you have your players wandering around and they might come across an empty battlefield or they might come across an active one or maybe they come across a, a legion of soldiers and they have to explain why they're where they are and where they're going and have to answer these questions to these soldiers and the players might at that point then say, hang on, why are these soldiers asking us questions? And then they learn more about the war and about the soldiers. And eventually, by seeding all of these little things as plot hooks, your characters, your players, hopefully, will go, ah, that sounds like a quest. Like, that sounds like a cool thing. Like, oh, there's a there's a potentially a hidden artifact deep in the mines. Cool, let's go find that. So they go and do that, and they tie themselves into your theme, because now they've got the thing that both sides of the army want, and they have to work out why both sides of the army want it, or they have to... Um, you decide which side to give it to or whether to destroy it or hide it or something like that. But it is never as simple as that because your players don't know what you know. So you kind of have to feed them what they want. If they're saying, oh, we'd like to go... If they're, if they're giving you the hint that they want to go into a dungeon, then you you give them a dungeon. You know, you, you set up a dungeon somewhere. If you want them to go or you give them the seed for a dungeon you've already set up, you say, you you know, they hear about one. The other thing to do is to write a number of plot hooks or quest lines that will eventually come together. So you, you sit down and you say, I've got Wildmount. I want to run in this campaign world. I want to link in the war and my players are going to have the freedom to go wherever they want. So I'm going to write a quest line in this area of the map in the northeast that's um, a farmer who's had his, like let's say it's a level one campaign, like, oh, his sheep have all scattered because uh, there was a fight between two insurgents groups and it ruined the farmyard and the, the fence broke and the level one characters are like oh we'll find your sheep for you you know like oh <laughs> how did your sheep run away oh there's a war like you just you 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 feed in that info but you do it in a natural way so now they found out that oh there's conflict in this world and it's affecting the everyday lives of people that live here because this poor farmer has lost all of his sheep and we have to go and find them for him um, you can do another one in the south of the world, um, maybe in the Menagerie Coast, for example, they go to the port town and there's a big, uh, there's a whole load of warships 
sitting or like maybe two or three big men of war galleys and they're, they're sat outside the dock outside the gate dock and um the quest is oh i'm a merchant and i want my i want my ship to leave and sail for taldori because i'm trading there um but i can't pay the fee to get out of the dock so i need to get something to convince I need, to, I need to either convince a merchant lord to fund me or I need to convince someone to give me some money or I just need someone to help me find the money or to convince the soldiers or whatever, something like that. And at that point, they're in a different part of the world and they're on a very different quest line. But they found out, oh, there's conflict going on. There's control of trade. There's control of who's coming and going from this capital. It's inflicting lives of the everyday people. Like they've learned all the same things here but in a very different way. But then, on the next level up, you've got these two quests that you've written, and you've probably made five or six at this point. I would say, you know, you want to make a handful. It doesn't matter now where the players go. Wherever they go, they're going to run into a quest that's going to give them the same kind of or similar information, but from a different point of view. So if your players suddenly decide, hey, I'd like to go, we'd like to go to the northeast, great, they run into that farmer. What if they sit down, they do the farmer quest, and they're like, oh, this is interesting. Um, the farmer's told us that, has taught us all this information, and he's also said, hey, you guys were great at, um, at, at helping me get all my sheep back. I actually need to transport a load of this wool that I sheared off last month, but I haven't done it because I'm worried about the fact that I've got to transport it from this side of the world all the way to the other side of the world. And there's, you know, as you can see, there's a war going on. Would you want to escort it? So now they go, oh, yeah, that's that sounds like a nice way to help him out. He paid us like, yeah, let's help him escort all of his trade. And so they head to the Menagerie Coast with this wool. They get there, they drop it off. And then they see these ships that are stopping boats from leaving the dock. But they're ships of a different the the other side of the the other army so they're like okay now we're seeing the other side and what they're doing and we're going to help this guy move his boats out and they do that quest and then they learn a little bit more about the war and how it's affecting people and at this point they're probably forming their own opinions and they're probably thinking well this is clearly a big thing this is like a big thing that's happening in the world and hopefully they say awesome let's let's learn more let's see what else is going on you know, let's, we're in a big city now, let's go and research it. How much can we find out about this big war? How much can we find out about the two sides? You know, why don't we go and talk to some people? Why don't we go and, you know, do whatever? If they don't do that, they're going to say, okay, well, we've just done these two quests. Let's go to a shop and then we'll get, a, you'll say, okay, well, it's nighttime now. So do you want to get a night, a room in the inn? They go, yeah, let's get a room in the inn. What they don't know is that you've planned for the inn to be full of soldiers who are on break drinking and chatting and so they can overhear the soldiers talking about i don't know maybe a raid on a camp that's happening five miles down the road or maybe a, a battle that went wrong or maybe they talk about how they you know were in another part of the world and they fucking wrecked up a, a sheep farmer's land you know like whatever it is like they overhear something that gives them more information more which is things to like jump to... onto I yes. do really like that, and I feel like um, that's something I've learned at, like in the later sessions, because in the beginning sessions, there wasn't really much of that. It was mm -hmm. very like, they did that first adventure, which by that point, after doing that first adventure, this is one of the faults of that adventure, I, I personally feel, is that it levels them up very quickly. Yeah, I mean, the, that... the early levels of D&D &D go by very, very quickly. 
Um, yeah, there's, there's but like... I felt gone. It was like every when when I was running that adventure, it was literally one session would pass, level up. One mm-hmm. session would pass, level up, and that would go until about level four, level five, mm-hmm. and by then I have a problem of. I haven't quite got the story beats I want to get in at the level. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, I was so then playing this game of catch up. What's what's happened there is is that you've you've started playing this early starter quest, a starter adventure, but you haven't got your story set up for afterwards. Because yeah. it, in an ideal world, what you would have done is you would have sat down and gone, okay, I know that I want my big bad evil guy to be this person and that he is going to be a warlord who's profiteering off of the conflict because I'm just using the same example and he mm. you know is manipulating the war and it's really bad and it's going to cause the end of the world or something I don't know however big you want to go and you would have tied those seeds into the into starter. the original one yeah, yeah. exactly which like because this was like my second campaign, mm-hmm. and I remember the first one I felt a bit like lackluster with the ending, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do things differently this time. And this one, I heavily took notes, because in my first campaign, I didn't, because you learn these things as you go along. Yeah. Um, And it was very like, okay, I'll do the adventure, and I read through this adventure so many times, because I was like that anxious that... I needed a good starting point to kind of grip the characters. I think the pro- as as you just said there the problem was that I just didn't plan how to tie in the plot that I wanted in my head into that initial adventure or even if it was just subtle like mm. you know a certain character on that ship um was you know connected to that group and they could have got some extra information then later down the line when they meet the character that i've intended to push them towards they could like find out that 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 character was a connection to the person on the boat and then they get like oh this world is moving i think because i thing is is that you're kind of looking at it with the this is the effect i want to achieve rather than yeah how am i going to achieve this effect um, because you're you're kind of looking at it in the kind of way like oh I I want I want to achieve that moment where they go oh my god that person's connected to that person but you've not yeah. thought about the how do they understand how do, what are the clues that they get to know that because you as the DM already know that and you kind of expect the the players to work it out because to you it's like well it's obvious because yeah look look here's all the information because we all do that um, but yeah I think the other thing with with a sandbox campaign is that you've you have to make sure that your players know they're in for that kind of campaign because it does put a lot of earnest on the players and their their want to go out and find adventure. Um, mm. You know, like if you look at a pre-written campaign like Tomb of Annihilation or Descent into Avernus, it instantly puts the players in a position where they have no choice but to go and do the thing they're doing so you know they all have a reason whereas in a sandbox you you tend to go hey you're a group you either like each other or you don't but you're together and you you are traveling and you need the players to have reason for them to be traveling have reason for them to be together and have reason to get involved and want to go and look for certain things because otherwise 
why would they and that's when it starts yeah, to fall apart that that was actually a big problem that i had to sort of like solve and overcome in the very beginning it was that like it wasn't necessarily that my players were in fighting it was more that their characters were because there wasn't you know they were all playing their characters honestly yeah and to how they felt and i haven't got the most experienced players in the sense of like role playing or the mechanics of the game so it led to a situation where mem- you, there, there was no story reason why these people stayed together and that that becomes a like i always thought to myself i'm like yeah but when you watch a series like for the witcher for example mm-hmm. you sort of understand why Yaskia and Geralt stay Geralt. together Geralt um, oh. when they you understand why they stay together yeah because there's sort of something they need from each other where my group to begin with when I was sort of um starting it all out there wasn't really something that brought them together until like a lot later in the campaign where They'd spent so much time together yeah. that they sort of, you know, knew nothing else apart from each other, which obviously, yeah. But that's normal too, because I think there's this kind of thing of like, you want your D&D to be, um, uh, what's the word, immersive, like you want it to feel natural, right? But mm. there's also that kind of thing, especially in like the first adventures, the, like the first kind of session of the adventure or the first time you play, you as players know we all need to stay together to make to play the game like we our party has to stay together because that's the point but and i think when you get to that when you've played a few times you get to that point where you're like well we don't you know we don't have to like i've had i've had games where characters have said do you know what i don't want to be part of this party anymore we've had conflict we've had this and for story reasons i'm leaving and they come in as a new character like that can happen too but when you first play you're kind of like i don't my character's here, he doesn't like you, but he's got to be here because we're playing D&D. So the way you get around that is either you say, okay, hello everybody, this is session zero, we're going to be playing in this world, here's the history that you need to know, let's all build our characters together and make sure you all already have a reason to be together. Or you say, okay, look, I know that you've all got these specific character ideas and you want to play that character that's a bit broody and doesn't like people and you want to play that character who's a thief and steals from the party. But actually, I'd rather you didn't play those characters because I want you all to... It's a collaborative storytelling thing. And it's just that it's just that give and take. Like, we, we talk about it so much all the time. D&D is a collaborative experience. You yeah. have to sit down and, and set those expectations, you know? Because... I think that's actually one of the key, key things that I didn't realise when Mm. I started out. And it's that, yeah, you're running the game. You're sort of facilitating this world for your players. But, like, your players are doing 50% of the work as well. They need to sort of, like... I'm not saying that you need to be really pushy with your players to a point of where they don't feel like they're having fun anymore. No. But to a point of where they understand that they need to put in sort of as much work as you do because you're facilitating this story together this is the story you're all trying to tell and like yeah at the start of things i didn't really know that so i thought it was sort of like all off of my back Mm. and i think that in its own little way causes problems because it's like 
I'm responsible for two characters that are not getting along where initially I should have in my session zero sort of communicated that that we we've got to have a party that want to stick together so you, I I could have even said at the start of the campaign like your characters all know each other yeah because I think that's one of the best ways to make sure that your party and your players are you know engaging with each other and it's the fact of yeah you can make your back uh, backstories and they can all be very unique but now you need to tell me who they are in this group what their dynamic is in this group sort of what player they are and then you, they can talk to the other players about like how their dynamics work as a team mm, yeah and then that already gives that th- your players that sense of union where they have to decide how like they sit there and imagine how their party got together which in itself creates a quite quite a unique storytelling experience which going back i wish i'd have done that because i sort of and you're gonna hate hearing this ben you're really gonna hate hearing this <laughs> my session zeros were um so for this campaign i thought i'd do something so unique so you know it's really not that unique i've seen it done a million times and it was the fact of the players don't know anything about each other's characters mm-hmm. which i look at now and i go well that's that's not even an important detail like once that's happened it's over and done with i mean look that's not the worst thing in the world i mean we i've i've had great experiences where the characters don't know each other and they they learn yeah. about each other over time that's not a bad thing but you've got but, you've still got to set that expectation of You've all, we we need a reason for you all to be together. Yeah, there needs to be a key bind that keeps the group together because back then there was like situations where. So I'll give you an example that's actually in the the plot. So they were they just finished a small quest mm-hmm. after completing this initial starting adventure. This starting adventure was fairly kind of nipped the bud pretty quickly. Um, and the story didn't re the story beats didn't really come back, which is also just another like hurdle that mm. I didn't see back then. But like they were they were moving to Nicodranus because one of the characters needed to return to Nicodranus because they lived there, um, and they had recently received a letter from their father in Rexentrum, mm-hmm. which is a city in the Dwendalian Empire. So they were going to Nicodranus to tell their family that they were going to Rexentrum. That was how I built my sort of like objectives at the time. It was getting them to like forcing them to need to go to certain locations to get to the next place. And then when they reached those locations, I sort of like drip fed them little quests that sort of led to extra quests that were sort of the main part of the story. Mm hmm. And when they reached Nicodranus, they um, heard that there was a lot going on in the sense of, like, I didn't control it a lot as a DM back then. Like, I wasn't taking it all... I don't know how to explain it. Like, I wasn't in control enough. I was sort of letting the chaos happen and going with it. Right. And I was I was very at that time the sort of person that went yeah to everything. Mm-hmm. Where now I'm like because I've 
seen more and got more experienced. And honestly, best piece of advice for anyone running D&D is like, just read more or watch more or mm. like, even if it's other D&D podcasts, just watch other things. Because at the time, I think the only podcast of D&D that I'd actually like listen to was Critical Role. So my whole perception of D&D was Critical Role. And as I've sort of spread my wings a little bit and delved into other things, encountered this podcast and learned how to kind of do certain things in that way, my perceptions changed completely. But back then, there were two players, player characters, who were quite powerful fighting in the middle of a city. And one of the characters got near near to death. Mm. Which then I was like, okay, I have a sort of, um, what do you call it? Crisis management situation of (laughs) what the hell do I do now? Because obviously I'm thinking in a world building perspective, people aren't just going to allow this. The guards and all of the kind of higher ups aren't just going to allow these two uber powerful people, you know, fight each other in the middle of the streets. So I introduced a character maybe a little bit too early in the story, which was Yusa. Uh, and people who listen to Critical Role might be quite familiar. My Yusa was sort of different. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of came into the battle, immediately stopped it, and announced that um, the Cerberus Assembly were getting involved. <laughs> this mm-hmm. This sounds very like... I I listen to myself now, thinking back to it, and go, why why would you say contact the Cerberus Assembly? Yeah, but that doesn't Forget matter that. because it's it's your it you know it's your version of this this world. You don't have to run off of what you know. You, yeah, you know you're doing it your way, and that's fine. So he contacted the Cerberus Assembly because it, I sort of made scourges in my version of Wildmount. The these basically like. Not quite the Avengers, but like people who were like enhanced with magical abilities that were sent out to stop big magical sort of like the FBI. things from going out of control. Yeah. So I sent one of the uh, one of those in, um, and they after that whole situation where they sort of met the Scourger, there were some character beats. Like the Scourger happened to be one of the characters' relatives. Um, that was when I finally was like, okay, I know what sort of story I want to tell and one that my players are going to engage with. Mm-hmm. And so I introduced this idea and Yusa was talking and many other people in the town were talking about people going missing and how this mysterious figure was just sort of going off with women and men uh, in the night and just disappearing. And those people were never seen again. So this actually like got the engagement I wanted out of my players because I figured out then my players like mystery. They like working out, you know, things that they don't know, which mm-hmm. which was a really nice building point. And so they they did all of this investigation. This was when the sandbox was going really well because they were like, okay, well, we're going to go over here because we want to investigate and find out more about this link to this character. So they were doing all of that, which was perfect. But it was when they got to the end of that sort of 
like seed mm. that when I introduced that character, that I think I made a bit of a hiccup in the sense of he walks in um, and he sort of announces that they're not going to be hard to, you know, dismantle. <laughs> mm. He wasn't hard to dismantle because my party dismantled him very quickly. So he yeah. was sort of my seed for the rest of the story to come out and they were going to get some information through him, but he was dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I think just listening to you like run through what's happened, I think there are a number of ways we can... I don't want to say fix it because it's not broken. Like you've not done anything wrong. Like I don't, I don't want to sound like we're saying what you've done is wrong because you've no, exactly. But, but like, how I... do we organize it? Is is like what I think it's lacking is a bit of structure. Yeah, because I feel like in this campaign, world building and stuff like that has all been quite nice because I've actually with notebooks and stuff, I've kept track of every single thing mm-hmm. that my the characters might engage with and how they progress. So every other session, I would update that and go, okay, well, this has moved this way. I think I was getting the world building. There just wasn't the plot. Yeah. There wasn't so that initial thing. Do you have a story? Like, do you have a plot line? Do you have... Uh, it can be as simple as... Like, it can be as big as, I have a story, I have a plot line that I want to tell... Um, or it can be as simple as I have one key character who I want to be like the big bad evil guy. And do you have a level band that you want to play in? Because these are these are the two things. This is where I would start with this. When like I'm gonna let let's talk as if you're starting brand new, but mm. then we'll adapt it to be to where you are now. Because you're they're level nine now, right? Yeah, they're level nine now, and it's a problem because at level nine you usually see people sort of coming to the end of their adventure in most scenarios they're like mid to end of their adventure but that's if you're playing standard published stuff because they don't tend to go over 13th level in my case it's sort of like they're all really powerful characters that haven't really done anything right that's fine so that's that's not an issue we can fix that so let's say you've got wild mount you want to play a game Mm -hmm. i would say when planning because what is the goal? Are you going to try and go to twentieth level? Do you have an end level? I hope so because I want my players to sort of reach that. Cool. Okay. It's like reach Easy. that epic level. You know, world dooming catastrophe mm-hmm. is gonna yeah that sort of thing. Okay, so we know you want to go to level cap. We know that you have. Do you have an uh, uh, an overall villain? So. Originally, I didn't, but recently, as I've sort of like gone back and gone, right, okay, I need to fix things, I've done a sort of like, I wouldn't say supplements, um, but mm-hmm. I did, one of my players was discovering that they felt like they didn't really know their character yeah, as well as they wanted to, so I went back and did a backstory session. Yeah. The perks of that were that I could basically pretend that that already happened. Yeah in the story, which was quite nice because it meant that I could sort of retcon without retconning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had this character called Davina, who um, was a sort of person living in Shady Creek Run. And Shady Creek Run is this place that is just crime lords sort of trying mm-hmm. to run their own city. 
Um, and she was sort of going around there where she got sort of kidnapped as they were trying to, like, use her as an experiment. This criminal organisation have got this artefact that they don't know a lot about, so they've found a couple of people, and obviously because it's Shady Creek Run, there aren't really, like, morals, so they've taken these people, and they're going to test on them. They're going to test this really powerful artefact on these people. By the way, like, if you're any of my players and you're listening right now, I'd probably tune out. Um... (laughs) But they they got basically kidnapped in this one shot, and I introduced two characters. One of them was, um, I think he's a pre-established character. He's called Reese Jargentoth, mm-hmm. and he's a member of the Jargentoth family, one of the big tribes of Shady Creek Run. And he's essentially working with um, another character I created who's called Azrael. And Azrael had found this artifact, and yeah, they were they were testing it out. They wanted to see what it does. The artifact being the beacon, right? Because I needed to answer how my player sort of had. I should probably explain a little bit more about about the player quickly in the fact that they were a wild magic sorcerer to begin with, and they had a weird hand that sort of phased in and out of reality. Right. Uh, continuously and <laughs> okay. it caused them a lot of pain <laughs> so I had to fix that and I was like right what what are the ways I can fix that and I was like okay Junomancy could be interesting in the sense that Lola like you had to explain in it. and out of time yeah, yeah I had to make it make sense <laughs> yeah so Azrael had this beacon he was sort of tr- testing it out and all of that jazz mm-hmm. um, and the character Davina touched it while casting a spell at the same time and that unanimously caused some weird shift in time where her arm is in sync with time but also out of sync. Okay. So, is your villain then Azrael? Person... Yeah, I think he is because he was the one that sort of like... Great. Was at the very beginning of a player's adventure and he's popped up as a different character like by a different name Mm -hmm. like a few times throughout the adventure so I would say... If I was going for, like, that character that's the BBEG, I'd go for him. But, like, the actual thing that is going to be, like, the massive endgame, my personal choice was um, the Demogorgon, which I then started, like, setting up things for that as well. Okay, no problem. So, you want to have a big world altering event where the players have to fight the demogorgon and your antagonist who is going to be the catalyst to creating that event is this character you've created called Azrael. so now yeah. what we do is without like thinking too hard about it is we work out what his wants are and what his um like what his goals are and how he's doing those so his goal is clearly to bring bring the demogorgon into the material plane because that's you want to have a fight with the demogorgon mm. but why um i sort of went with the idea that he wants he's a fanatic a historical fanatic in the sense of you've you've heard of the calamity and the, yeah. the sort of battle between the gods and stuff like that he's a fanatic but he wants the calamity to to essentially start again but with why? different results because he that that's a perfect question i 
I don't know why. Okay, so but that was yeah. this is okay. So this is our first problem. We've got a we've got we've got a person that is going to be the antagonist, which is great because you've now got a figurehead and you've got the yeah. end goal of of what he wants to do. But you need reasoning because if you haven't got a reason, it's just like, well, what's the point? So oh, they're an evil villain who's evil. Oh, oh. what a surprise! Yeah. So why <laughs> does he want to bring Demogorgon? into the material plane what is that going to do for him i think in his perspective if he brings the demogorgon into the material plane that's going to cause chaos that's going to cause chaos that's going to make a lot of people panic and in panic more chaos ensues to a point where you know you sort of have control of all control of that whole thing so his sort of aim is to summon that create utter chaos and then once that chaos has reigned he will be the peacemaker and thus have okay so control he over the whole situation he wants to be the bad guy from the incredibles he wants to bring demogorgon in and then be the one to save the world so that everyone thinks he's amazing yes he ex- gains yeah power. Okay. yeah exactly great so that's right brilliant so now what we need to do is work out how he's going to do that. So first of all, there, there, there are two parts of this. One, how is he going to bring Demogorgon back into the world? And two, mm-hmm. how does he think he's going to then get rid of Demogorgon? What is his plan? What is his failsafe? And that can mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be like, you know, it doesn't have to be simple. In fact, I think if you want this to be your overall arc for the campaign, it should be something that requires a lot of work. So he's going to have to, maybe he has to go and, collect ingredients for a big ritual and then he has to do the ritual which opens the gate which then means he can go through and coax demogorgon out then he Mm. has to have these collected other items for another ritual which he can then do to get rid of demogorgon and he has to have a plan of when exactly he's going to do it and where he's going to do it and he and and you know all this stuff so if you can plan all of these things that if if basically if you can set out his step-by-step plan you're pretty much set on how you can have these interactions with the player characters because if you write mm. okay he's gonna he needs a ritual to open the gate he needs a ritual to put demogorgon away so that means yeah. he needs to collect two lists of ingredients so then you list those ingredients so maybe he needs you know a unicorn horn and a sword from someone who's died on the battlefield at their own hand and you yeah. know whatever you decide you know and then you say okay well he can get this item in this place in the world. He can get this item in this place of the world. He can he can do this here. There's an ancient ritual. There's an ancient prophecy or a ritual that I'm going to have to write out. So I'll write that out and I'll say that the ritual is something like you know on the full moon, on the uh, line of the equator, on the third month of the fiftieth year out of a hundred. You have to do the ritual and it has to be exactly 3 a.m or you know whatever you want something it can be as trivial or non-trivial as you want but you you write a, a, a rule for it yeah and then you know okay here's the time frame of how how he has to get all this stuff and where he has to be and how he's going to do it right and then your players sort of have to play that game of catch up right in the sense of you know they as they, as they go by, they're going to learn these things. Yeah, so that's and... that's the goal. The goal is then to have your players learn about this, this plot, have them mm. care about it, and then have them try and thought it. So as with anything in D&D, your players' actions is going to change how the story goes. That's just D&D mm. in its entirety. So let's say you the, the players... 
the way I would do it, just thinking off the top of my head, okay, I've got this character, he wants to unleash Demogorgon, which is a demon, I'm going to research Demogorgon, I'm going to find out what layer of the abyss he's on, I'm going to find out what creatures mm-hmm. come from that layer, that kind of thing. I'm going to have him start to enact that plan, I'm going to say that the characters are ninth level, they haven't really jumped in on this storyline yet, so at this point he's probably been able to find two or three artifacts, right? Out yeah. of, let's say, six. Him doing that is beginning to weaken the fabric between the planes or like maybe he's like the items. Maybe they're all part of one item and having them come back together makes that singular thing, that singular. uh, uh... And that's a piece of advice you gave me before Mm -hmm. in the fact of I could have a big uh, sort of like MacGuffin that is pieced together, sort of like the Infinity Stones. Um. Um, and that's what I did. I made so the group that Azrael is a part of is called the Veil Break. Are they called the? No, they're called the Chain Breakers because they want to break the chains that, like the metaphorical chains that hold of Demogorgon. which. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they they want their aim is to do that, and they are looking for pieces of this ancient sword known as the veil breaker right. which is essentially a key to sort of like open the planes and like cut into other planes so you can basically use it and knowing the destination you can cut open a portal to that plane cut through the veil to you know Wherever. release things so yeah. he's gathering that sword so that he can cut open the veil so that he can get to demogorgon thus freeing Demogorgon, thus the chaos ensuing. And I introduced those sort of items as shards. The players were looking for, uh, like, were getting tidbits of these shards. Like, they would go into a dungeon, and at one point they'd destroy the hags. You know how hags have those, like, heart stones? Yep. They destroyed the hag's heart stone after they saw that there was like a twinkling piece of metal in it. And that was my first sort of showing of the shards because I had a lot of the sort of villain group milling around in this area because they're looking for something. Okay, and so have the how many shards are there, just so I know? At the moment, I, I've sort of put it at five. Okay, that's because fine. Because that that's sounds fine. like a, you know, reasonable so amount. So the players stumbled across a shard. Hmm. And they don't know what it is? They don't know what it is, but I sort of made it really difficult for them in the sense of, like, when they went to go and research it, there's nothing That's fine. that they can find. That's fine. Yeah. I would have I would have done the same. Okay, so they've got this shard, and they know that it's something unique because they can't find information about it. And I'm, mm. I'm going to assume, based on how this conversation's been going, that it's gone into their, their inventory and they've forgotten about it. No. No? They, okay. They sort of followed it. Um, then there was this sort of side quest where they were transporting somebody to... Um, they were transporting them to Zadash, and they were sort of... Uh, like you said in the example earlier, like getting hired to escort somebody from one location to the other. Mm-hmm. They were going to Zadash because I wanted my next sort of plot points to happen within a city because I felt like the... 
the main villain group, as we'll call them, I wanted them to be operating within the city, and then that caused sort of shifts in crime, shifts in loads of different things that would then lead to, you know, my players learning a bit more about how that's all happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and they got there, and... We had a situation where, like, some characters changed over. Players didn't want to play the characters that they originally played, but I have already sat down and written out potential reasons for certain things for the other characters. I've made hooks for those other characters. So we had new characters introduced at that time who had completely different aims that were, like, different to the group. So when we reached that city... The aims were different, thus the story sort of flowed differently. Okay, so you've got two issues there. You've got players who are coming in and creating characters and making them massively different from the story that you're telling. And this is that thing I was Mm. saying earlier. Like, you've all got to be... You've all got to agree you're telling the same story. It's as simple as if the DM wants to tell a story about space and the players want to tell a high fantasy campaign, it's... Neither of you are going to have fun because you're going to be fighting each other. So... Yeah. You need to sit down and have a chat with the party and be like, look, this is the kind of story that I've been telling. Is that the kind of story you want to play? Like, you all need to be on the same page. Yeah, that is one thing I would say you need to do, and you need to do it soon. Um, oh, that that's been done. That's sort of something that has been overcame. It's just now getting those because you're probably thinking that the that character switchover was the first time we did a character switchover. No, it's not. Is um, it? No, we've done that a couple of times where people have just got bored of certain yeah, characters okay. and wanted a change of pace. You've got a pretty you've got a pretty chaotic setup going on. Is, mm. is like the vibe that I get. And I think yeah. that if we fix the storytelling, now that you know that everyone's on the same page, you're going to get rid of that thing where they're bored of their characters. Because they're probably bored of their characters because they're at the point where they're like, well, I don't really know what to do and I'm not progressing mm. in anything and I just want to do something different and feel like I'm... Like, they're looking for that reason to... Yeah, they... I've had situations where character uh, people will drop characters because they've decided whether that character maybe doesn't fit with the group now and they want to follow the story that I'm telling or just completely their character gets killed off because they sort of don't realize the consequences of their actions. So yeah, but that's, now need that's to make normal. A... You know, people got... Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. And they reached that city. Um, then there was an engagement and this was where I'd... Um, because previously, obviously, I had you come in as an NPC and we mm-hmm. had a little arc happening where um, one of my players, um, Ellis, my girlfriend, was sort of learning more about her family and who they actually were as people mm-hmm. because she'd sort of ran away at a younger age and had sort of created this bad opinion of them. So she she sort of had the spotlight of the story for that short amount of time while I was trying to fix things. And that led to a character trying to kill a mage of the Cerberus Assembly, mm-hmm. which then I had a good point of like, okay, right, I now t- need to chaos control again. So I yeah sent the characters off to another place as like a sort of punishment. They had to go and do a... Because I saw it as like a character counterbalance, like... 
that was their consequence for that action. You sent them on a quest. Yeah, yeah. I sent them on a quest. But that quest, I've now realised, doesn't really fit with the, the thing that I was originally trying to tell. Right, it's not so a problem. it's then balancing that. I, I think we're getting bogged down in the, the nitty-gritty of the story and what's happened. But I think I have the solution. Yeah. So, um, here's what I would do. You've got your bad guy. You've got... Mm-hmm. You You know you need to write up how he's going to do things. So, like, th- your to-do list is to work out exactly why and how he wants to do what he's doing. And yeah. plan that. Then... And, and flesh that out. You need to make the antagonist and the bad guys realistic. Like, you need to be fought out. They can't just be... Like, if you want to have that realistic kind of lived-in world, you need to like actually spend time going into detail on them. Yeah. Then what you need to do, and this is what I would do, is while... the, the Right, so the overall story is going to be the characters have stumbled upon and found this uh, this shard. There are five more of them out there, and the bad guy wants them all. Which means that at some point, the bad guy, or the group of bad guys, is going to have to come and interact with the party. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. That's what you want. You, they're going to have to have a confrontation because the players are carrying around this thing that he wants. They are unaware of what this thing is and what it does. So what you need to do, what I would do, you don't need to do anything, what I would do is coincide whatever quest they are on Mm -hmm. with stumbling upon more information about the shard now that can either be they stumble they you know they go down into an ancient relic of a lost place and they find Mm -hmm. lost information because we know this information is hard to find and it's like oh it just so happens that this place that we've come to has got information that we need convenient yes but also it makes sense because it's it's from a time long ago that's been lost and has been kept secret from people. Maybe they go down somewhere and they find a second shard and they go, hang on a minute, this fits into the one we've got. What is this? Why do we keep finding these things? What actually is it? Oh, it looks a bit like a sword. Maybe we can, maybe it's a cool magic item that Sam wants to give us. Like maybe we can, maybe we should look for them all because someone's going to get a cool magic item. Like they don't know what it <laughs> yeah. is, but they find another one, right? Then I would have them being tracked. So maybe they camp one night and they a perception check reveals that they are being watched by a familiar. Maybe they are making their way, I don't know, through some grassy plains and they can see a group on a caravan up ahead, like in the distance, like too far away to get to them. They're traveling in the same direction as them, but they never turn off they're going the same way or maybe they're following them and it it could be that they're just going to the same place it could be that they're following them they don't know just start having them feel like they're being sorry i'm hitting the microphone again having them feel like they're being watched or followed then i'd have them ambushed or you know they're, they're traveling through the road they're out on an open wild area and oh you perception check you can see that there is logs across the road and you've got a very high perception check so it doesn't look like a tree has fallen naturally and they go, hang on, this is weird. Yeah. Maybe it's just bandits. And so probably they think, oh, we're just getting beat up by bandits. We're, we're level nine. We can deal with bandits. But it's not just bandits. These guys are trained. These guys have special abilities that they've not seen before. These guys all wear a logo or a tattoo or something. Just something. Don't give it all away. Give a little taster. Why have these guys specifically tried to rob us? Hmm. I wonder why. Maybe they find a scroll with a letter on it that says, you know, they have two of them get them back we need to we need to act now something like that and they might go we have two of what what are they talking about we have two 
we have two metal shards. We don't know what they what they do. Hmm, interesting. What is this? You know, and it, it, it all slowly unfolds like that. And this can happen over the course of like three, four sessions, maybe even like you could do it over the course of two. Like they could find the second shard in in you know this week's session and the session next that they start traveling then they get ambushed like it can happen as quickly or as slowly as you need it to anyway the point is they start to realize through these actions that they have two things or one thing however you do it that somebody else wants and it's causing people to attack them then you have um at that point you then need to either give them information give them something that kind of gives them an idea of what they might be stumbling upon or give them someone, give them a new NPC who could tell them more or a place that might tell them more that they can go and investigate. That's when you then do the expedition. They have to go, they go on a quest to find out more. Yeah. Then they go and maybe they have a confrontation with the big bad guy and he reveals that, ha ha ha, I'm the big bad guy and you have the thing I want. And they manage to escape by, by the skin of their teeth or they don't you know you see what happens um but through that interaction they find out who their antagonist is and kind of what they want like they know that this that they at this point they might know that it makes a sword that can open a, a portal through the planes so they start to realize okay he wants to open somewhere but why um along the way you can start to have demons appearing in the world like maybe they yeah. go that you know one of their contacts in the Cerberus assembly says yo you're near x village something's going down there go and find it and you can run a fun adventure where they go to a village and it's like a ghost town and there's like demons wandering around or they go and people are scared and demons come out at night or you know whatever you can start seeding that kind of demonic more kind of weird thing but have it as a side story so you've got this thing of okay we're being followed and we're being tracked down and hunted for these items we've got we're also dealing with these demons that keep popping up everywhere and we keep getting sent on these missions to deal with these demons because they they just keep coming from in in different places around the continent and then once you've done that for a little bit you then connect the two storylines so then you get to the point where somehow they realize that the bad guy wants to open up a portal to the abyss maybe he is maybe they go to the next place where they're like okay we've been told there's demons here so we're going to go there and deal with them like we have before like this is our job now they go there and who do they see oh it's our bad guy what is he doing here oh he's opening a portal to to the abyss somehow like maybe he's found another way that he's trying to do it as well as the sword or maybe he's collecting one of the items for the ritual and it just so happens that everywhere he goes the demons come out and they start to realize there's a connection between the two Um, and then they get to the point where they're like right clearly this bad guy is doing something to do with demons he's doing something bad because he's unleashing demons on the world and it's killing people and we're having to clean up the mess so let's work out exactly what he's doing and put a stop to it by stopping him so then you you send them on the quest where they've learned about this item this veil breaker and they go okay well uh, we're gonna go and collect all the items we're gonna collect all the bits of metal so that he doesn't have them and it gets a game of sort of catch up where they mm-hmm. now need to like race against time. Yep, and it basically to... you could put them up against another adventuring group. Basically, you could have this guy be an adventuring group, kind of like in Critical Role right now. Um, and they have to get these items before him, and then it's like a a battle of who will get it first. And it eventually comes mm. to a head where they say, "Okay, we need to have a combat." And in an ideal world, you'd get to a point where the bad guy can 
achieve his goal of opening the portal. And that might not happen. They might beat him before that, and you might not get your fun encounter with Demogorgon. But that's D and D. You know, you can't you can't railroad. You can't make you can't make it that he's always going to succeed because then it's not D and D. But yeah, you set it up in that way so that you've gone from they have an item, they don't really know what it is. They learn a little bit. They learn a little bit more. They deal with some demons. They f- they meet the bad guy. They find out the bad guy wants the thing they've got because he keeps attacking them. They fight some more demons. They deal with... They find another shard. They get ambushed again. They they survive. They find out more information. They fight some more demons. They fight some more demons. They go to get some demons that they've been told about, and the bad guy's there. They link together. They realize the bad guy wants these items for this specific reason. They start hunting the items to stop him. They fight again. He gets the items. He opens the portal. Level 20, big big boss battle with Demogorgon, or big boss battle with the bad guy to stop him from, from committing the ritual. You know, whatever it is. Like, you're, you're going to kind of have to develop that as it goes because it depends on what happens in the game because we don't know until you play those sessions. Mm. That would be the kind of skeletal structure that I would use to take you from this point here when you have this item that, that's kind of been seeded but they know nothing about to, oh, they know what it is and what it does and they want to get it. Yeah. And alongside that, I would use the player backstories to generate side quests that link into your main story. So you've got um, a member of the Cerberus Assembly, effectively, kind of. So she um, is the her backstory links into the fact that her dad is the one who's giving you the missions to go and deal with the the demons because you know that's like his job he's like you know you work for me go and go and do this thing um you have one character who has a connection to the beacon well okay maybe the beacon or one of the beacons is one of the things that's needed in the ritual and they have to go and investigate and work with or work against the Kryn Dynasty to get a beacon so that they can stop the other guy. Or maybe the other guy is going to go and try and steal one, so they have to go and warn the Kryn Dynasty. You know, something like that. And they and along that way, they learn more about her hand and, and how the magic has affected her. Um, you know, you can have a, a bard who um, is looking for an amazing story and in looking for an amazing story he's he's learned a lot about lore and a lot of fairy tales and a lot of legends and and he's the one who who kind of remembers something when you find another item and you say it looks like it would make a sword eventually that he goes oh i'll roll a history check oh i heard about a sword that can that can do amazing things and so he's the link his his backstory links into how you learn about the item Mm. so there's loads of stuff you can do there and and that's kind of how I would, like, I, I would, that's how I would plan for it to go and I would adapt as the players do things. But the, the key is that you have to give those hooks and those plot keys to the players. And if they change their mind, you have to be able to move those plot keys somewhere else. So if you say to them, okay, well, your current mission, what, what's the mission they're doing now? They're going to a, to where? They're currently going to the... An underground, well, is partially submerged um, Aeorian laboratory, mm-hmm. which holds um, the antidote to um, frigid woe, which is a disease that is sort of affecting this small village. Great. So you've got a really cool little subquest, sub storyline, story arc there that they're invested in because I know a couple of them have frigid woe. And they're going to this place for that thing. But it's an ancient Aeorian laboratory. So what could they find there? a load of notes on an ancient sword great Mm. wonderful 
once they get those notes, if they then don't follow that up, you need to you need to use that plot key in a different way, or just in or, or just if they just ignore it, then you know that's when people start chasing them and want and want their items, and hopefully they'll put it together. But let's say they go in there and they don't go into the one room that you've decided to put the notes in. Yeah. So you can either move those notes and put them in a different room, which would be one way mm-hmm. to to easily fix that, or you take that plot key, that information about the veil breaker, and you keep it and you put it somewhere else. So okay, they didn't they didn't get the notes from the bro- from the laboratory. That's a shame. But along the way, they fought a dragon and you know defeated it and got its hoard. Maybe there's something in the hoard. Maybe they along the way they um meet a, another adventuring party or a guide who is saying they're out looking for ancient artifacts and they talk about different artifacts that they've heard rumor of and one of them is a sword that can bridge the gap between planes and worlds you know so you take the same plot key but you have multiple ways that they can learn about it and use it and you do that for every single plot key that you have in your adventure so that if they miss something it's not the end of the world it's because there. they yeah. can find it somewhere else it it reappears again. I like that, and I think that's something I've sort of been beginning to do, but like knowing now that it can literally be you just move the location of it. Because in my, I sort of think in my thinking process before, if they've not done that, I've acted. <laughs> And this sounds quite bad because it sounds a bit like I'm punishing the players, mm. which is something I don't want to do, but. Because you don't want to punish your players for playing the game. Um, But I sort of had it in my mindset that... Because they have encountered a shard before and they lost it. Mm -hmm. They they lost it because somebody who was trying to get a hold of it got it. And then... That... Yeah, it's it's that, like, situation of they now need to sort of get that uh, sort of get that back and they've but they don't know that yeah yeah so what i'm the, the the impression i'm getting is that you've got a lot of ideas and you've got a lot of ways this could go but you're just struggling to implement them so mm. yeah my advice is make sure you my to-do list for you is go away work out the villain slash antagonists reasons and exactly what it is they need to do and why so that you've yeah. got a, a strict, here's what they're trying to do, here's how they're going to do it, here's why they're doing it. And then skeletal structure, kind of like a flowchart, is I would do like, okay, if players get this, go here. If they don't, go here. Like, what happens? If players get shard, potentially get tracked and attacked. If players don't get shard, they're, you know, and villain gets one step closer. Like, do a little flowchart. And do a little flowchart of what can happen and what will happen under certain scenarios. So if they get two shards, it increases the likelihood of them being ambushed. If they get three shards, it goes up a little bit more that they'll get ambushed, etc, etc. Write out in order how you want them to learn things. So do you want them to find a second shard or do you want them to get information first? Order that out. 
and and write those up as plot keys. How are they going to learn these things? Where could they learn those things? And give yourself options. So they could learn it in the Aeorian, Aeorian laboratory. They could learn it in the oldest library in Wildmount, which is here. They could learn it by talking to this specific historian who specialises in this thing who is here. And off of those plot keys, write a way of how they would find out and get to those things. You know, just mm. basically do this big branching tree, this big branching flowchart of all these different ways that they can they can learn these things to get them through the story. So the so the first the left side, I do it on a four piece of paper. Like I do the left or a four turned horizontal. On the left side, you have your story structure. So shard one information, shard two encounter bad guys, shard three location found about. Then it's like go to that location. And when the bad guy's there, you know, at the same time, do this, do that, do that, whatever. Like, that's kind of a rough idea of how I would want this story to run out. And then off of each one, I would do a, a line to a plot key. Um, and then I would do three lines off of that. Uh, I'd do three lines off of that for three ways they could get that information or get those plot keys. Three plot keys they could use to get to that point in the story. And then off of each plot key, I'd do three ways they get that plot key. And then off of those things, how they get those things. So that it just branches out kind of like a weird diagram. And you've literally then got yourself a number of different options of how they can learn each bit of information and each bit of the story beat that would hopefully then point them in the right direction of the next thing. The thing you do after that is working out how you make sure that they take that information and know where to go with it because you don't want to be as obvious as you learn this and it tells you to go and do this but it needs to be enough of a hint that they don't just like go to this Aorian laboratory find this information and go huh that's cool don't know what we do with it though like there needs to be a thread there everything needs to have a bit of string that they can start pulling on and following so you need to link take those that flowchart you've then gone and then link the things up like okay let's say they find this ancient tome that's that's the the, the branch they go down and they're looking at it and they're like we don't know what this means or it, it's talking about stuff that we don't understand so then you would say um character who has a backstory that links them to x city roll a history check for me you know that there's a really old library there connected to x organization who might be a good place to look for for answers mm. about this there you go there's one strand you've just given them that they go well we want to yeah we want to know more about this book we'll go we'll follow that then we'll go to that place and we'll we'll look for that X person who might know about this this information and then they go and find that NPC and the M NPC then gives them a little bit more info. So you've got to make those conjoining links between all of these plot keys that you're writing and then have them give them the option to to follow which one they want to follow. As long as you've got multiple paths and it is like a choose your own adventure they're not going to stray too far off of it. And I don't think, like, I think it can sound a little railroady because it's like, well, you're giving them all these, you're giving them the, the, um, like the, it looks like they've got the choice to go wherever they want, but they all lead in the same direction. Well, yeah, for this one specific plot, because this is what I would do for an adventure. For a sandbox, for a true sandbox game, I do this for one storyline and then I do it for like four others. And they would then have the freedom to go off any storyline they wanted. That's how you do a sandbox. You take the work that you do for a single adventure, which is not railroady, but it has a single storyline, but you have like five different storylines and the players can just stumble onto any storyline at any point and they can be disconnected from each other. 
that's what a sandbox is in my opinion is is the the world is there and there's so many different storylines that are all thought through and you can go off and explore them i don't think at this point you're in a sandbox campaign i think you're in a very very big single story campaign and i there's i don't think there's anything wrong with that because you've got the the freedom for your players to go wherever they want which is fantastic but you're only telling one story and i think that's what you should hone in on because your characters are already level nine they're already set up on this story that you've kind of seeded now you you've you've got the you've got the ball inching forward now you need to get it rolling and if you do that knowing your players because i do know them a little bit but also hearing about how it's gone today i think they will latch on to the thing that gives them a direction and they'll follow it and if they get to the point where they're like we don't like this story well then then you've got a different problem then you've got well you know this is the this was the story we're telling but i don't think you're gonna have that issue um i may i may or may not have just disconnected so there was a big chunk of that, oh, that I didn't oh, hear. No. Well, you're gonna you're gonna have to listen back to the episode, man. That's that's yeah. <laughs> that's I guess there's happen. a reason for me to listen to the episode now. But basically, what what did you get? Um, I don't know. My internet just decided to go, and I was like, "Oh no, Ben is still talking." It's fine. And I, I just back I just kept still... going. Yeah, I just kept going. Yeah. Basically, uh, you you just need to. Your your to-do list is villains and motivations, plot keys and plot hooks, and you need to just write and expand them. And mm. you need to focus on running an adventure and not a sandbox, I think. Yeah, because sandboxing is, is great. I would advise it. But when you know how to do that, and yeah. when you've got a party who want to do that, when you've got a party who will engage with that, where in my case... I've just got a starting party. Like my players are new. Well, this is I the thing. I need to give them something to follow. I need to make them, you know, what I need to basically get my fishing rod of plot, feed the bait to them, and get them to peck at it. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think in a true sandbox, and this is what I'm saying when you probably disconnected. This is what I'm saying is that you. When you write an adventure, you do what we're talking about today. You come up with the plot yeah. hooks, you come up with the key beats, you come up with the locations and the creatures and the monsters and the, the NPCs, and then your players discover that as they go. With a sandbox, you do that five or six times, and they can pick up and jump from story to story. It's a lot more work. Yeah. And and I think a sandbox takes more planning. and Because you've got to remember that in an adventure, when a, when a party comes together and they follow a hook you know in your head or in your notes where that goes because there's one story yeah but with a sandbox 100 yeah, you, you know there's different stories and and it, it, it's tricky as well because you're play. you think about being a player in a sandbox game right in a, in a normal adventure you come across an npc and they tell you something and you say i don't know why that's relevant yet but it sounds relevant i'm gonna write it down right and then later on in the adventure you find out a bit of information you look back at your notes and you go oh that guy said this which links into this cool and they have that bit of information for that one story. In a sandbox, they've got three, four, five of those stories going on. So they might meet an NPC and go, oh, this NPC said something that sounds interesting. I'm going to write it down. I don't know what it means yet. And then they might go off and do another story. 
Yeah. And then they've got this bit I... of information that makes no sense, and they feel like we don't know what that is. Like, what we're confused. Like, what do we do? And it's like, well, that could be something else you need to explore. And it's kind of you have to balance. It's more of a job of balancing that how they learn things and what they learn it's, and how they it's use like it. constant from my experience it's like constantly rewriting your campaign it's constantly that that's how i felt i was doing it yeah which which time. i don't it's think it needs like, to be um, no i think go like going into my next campaign and like f- with fixing this one it is going to be that i sort of you know how in uh the dungeon master's guide it has those like level uh, categories of yep. like where the, the players play. should be at. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of base a campaign and give an idea of what happens throughout those things, and have a big list of that, and then have that main plot. Because I think the main thing that is the issue of that whole thing was that there wasn't an antagonist. Because mm-hmm. I had the protagonists, I just didn't have the antagonist, or I didn't have a well, you know built antagonist like i chucked antagonists in but they weren't like yeah they didn't have reason you've got to remember they were just the evil guys what we are essentially doing here is writing a story and it's Mm. it's different from writing like a novel because you know it changes you control it yeah Yeah. in in D &D you don't control it like that's the point so what the the way that you keep that um uh, what's the word? The way you keep everything in line and you keep everything making sense is that you you go into detail on the world building. You go into detail on the NPCs and what they want and how they're going to do it. And then you you keep that the same. You don't change it. So when a player meets a character, they know they learn about them and they learn their some of their wants and some of their flaws and they start to make their own opinions about them and you that character then stays the same so that the things like they're the cornerstone for the players they learn that thing about them and that stays true and you use those those wants and those motivations and those fears to drive the plot because the plot can change you know the, the plot could be that the players have a typical hero's tale and they find the MacGuffin and they win and they save the day but it could be that halfway through their journey they have a an epic encounter with this evil guy or this creature and they die and the the villain gets a step closer to succeeding and the second set of players or the characters that the players make have to come in and deal with that mess and and that the the, the the bad guy basically got a step closer that that story is very drastically different but the thing that stays the same is the villain and his motivations and his wants and his fears and the way he Mm. acts on them and in the past joe and i have spoken so much about how knowing what your your npcs want and actually spending time in their heads and learning how they think and act is how you make that uh you know that natural kind of realistic feeling and it drives so much and it's it's really hard to it's really difficult to put my finger down and say this is the thing you haven't done or this is the thing you need to do sam Mm. i think and i in in you're going to learn from this massively like this experience of running this game is going to is going to every every session is an experience isn't it like it's going to you learn so much from each one yeah like it's going to form how you tackle your next story and i think and like you you learn from your mistakes and you learn from your 
correct actions and there's a lot of both of that in here i think when you go into your next campaign you know that you need to sit down and do a lot more planning beforehand and you need to do this and that and like this isn't to say that you can't run a campaign without planning because there are ways to do it but it, it's it's a very different style of play and i think that that's not what you were going for so no look i don't think we can fix your campaign like here and now right now because you 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 need to go away and, and put the work into it but i think yeah yeah, yeah. the the furthest we're going to get is this little to-do list and i th- and i'm i hope that it sounds doable because a lot of the time i think oh i'm i'm so passionate about D that i get into it and i say oh do this do that you know spend hours thinking about your plot hooks it doesn't have to take hours it doesn't have to it sounds intense but it isn't like it doesn't literally have to be. like i think my note taking in the past for some of the like better sessions I've done on my phone where like other sessions that are meant like haven't felt as good. I've been ones where I've like, you know, sat and done it. I don't think planning in certain ways, like has to always be doing it extensively. I think it just, I, I think it just needs to be put those ideas onto paper so that they make sense. Mm. You're g- because... Gone. Because, like, I feel like I didn't do that enough before. I'd have an idea, I'd implement it in a session, then it sort of doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think you've there's a got... lot of learning things. Yeah. You've got a lot of work to do around the antagonist and the group. Like, that's going to be the biggest chunk, because that's where you've got to get nitty-gritty, and you've got to, like... Yeah, because once I've got them, yeah. And because that's, they're going to be a key character. It's like you're writing the main character of your story, if you were writing a novel, Mm -hmm. you know, because the main characters are the party. But for you as the DM in the world, imagine for taking the party out of the equation, because at the moment we're not worrying about them. This is your main character. This is your your protagonist, because you're kind of like watching them and making sure they're doing the things they want to do. Then when you put the party yeah. back in, you use what the party does and how much and you, you use that prep in that, that that antagonist to react in the right way for that character. And that develops the story. Um, the next bit is then just writing down the story beats like plan. Like imagine it was a plot. Write down the story beats of how the story would go. Look at those beats think about them as a D game and do the okay what if they decide this or what if this happens differently and do it that way write out those plot key hooks and then start implementing them sort of like get into their heads a bit like well not even that just like let's you know so you write out the plot and you say the part the, the imagining it as a book you'd say protagonist does this learns this does this learns this gets this fight succeeds learns this goes to here does this succeeds go to this does this so write it out that way and then look at it and go, OK, we're at this point, point three, where they've got an item and they're starting to learn some information. What if they get to this part five where they're going to have a confrontation, but instead of succeeding, they lose what happens and then do that timeline and then go back and yeah. say, OK, what if they don't lose, but they don't kill the bad guy and he gets away and then do that timeline and go off and do all these branching different timelines with ideas. But this is the thing. You can't plan for everything because you're never going to know what your players are going to do. Yeah. But by thinking about different outcomes, like maybe just think about three different outcomes for each plot plot hook, each not plot hook, each plot point, each story beat. Think about three different ways it could go, because that will give you an idea in your brain. That will get you practicing of like, okay, 
if X happens, then this could happen. Or if this happens, then this could happen. And that means that when you get to the game and they do something that's unexpected, you can go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. But I thought about if something slightly different happens that's similar, I know that if that would have happened, this would have happened. And that kind of still makes sense. So I'll use that. And this is how the part, this is how the antagonist would react. And it's so difficult to talk about it like abstract because, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's literally like, I think in the, in this perspective, it's like there are so many things that you need to keep on top of, mm. but at the same time, there's really not that much. No, do you get what I mean? It's like that that understanding of what's important to take notes of and what's not important. See, I take a lot of notes when I plan for a, a campaign. I put the most i put all of my work in before a campaign begins um yeah so i'm running which is how you have those um documents that you do yeah so i'm running tomb of annihilation now right so i wrote a whole 36 page document i planned out story beats i planned out locations i planned out rule sets and how i was going to do certain things and interesting quest lines like i did all of that planning beforehand between sessions yeah. i don't do a lot of prep what i do is I write up the recap, I go to what I planned before, I look at what the party have done, and I say, here's what the party's done, how do I make the story relevant to that? And I look at my document, I say, well, they've done this, and there's a really cool location that they're about to stumble upon, so I'm going to seed in that, and I'm going to seed in that quest. And ah, I've planned this thing uh, for about this session, but that doesn't make sense anymore because they've done something different. So I'm just going to put a pin in it and remember it for when it's relevant again. And oh, I've planned this down here, which makes sense to bring in now, even though I was planning to bring it in 10 sessions away. So I've got all of the work done and I just have to reorder it to make it relevant to what the players are doing and make the player's story the story that's being told and not the story of like all of the things that i'd planned does that make sense yeah because i i definitely think that like chaos ensues when you don't do that sort of thing mm. because you start thinking of an idea like you'll have an idea in the shower and you'll go i really want to implement it but because that's i haven't you know made a document or anything like that it does seem quite abrupt Mm. those mini ideas so i am very thankful that i've got that now yeah i can work with that now you've got a little story I, I have, yeah i've now got sort of the hate to hate to use the pun but the tinkerer's toolbox <laughs> to how to make the camp not because like, it's repair over time and you because my players aren't going to notice that there are like cracks, but I've seen these cracks, mm. so I can fill those cracks in, fix those bits, and voila! Yeah, I mean, it's a successful campaign after all. I I think that I think that putting a derailed campaign back on the tracks is more difficult than planning a new campaign. I'm not going to lie to you. A hundred percent, yeah. But I would, from this point on. I would look at it as if it was a new story in yeah. in a way like imagine instead of instead of sitting there and going, oh, I've had all of this stuff that's happened that doesn't really make sense. Like, don't worry about that. Look at it as I've got this party. These are the people. These are the players. This is their these are their backstories. Here is the thing they have. Here is the story I'm trying to try and tell. Let's make it all make sense and link it all together and write a new story as if the story was starting from this point, as if mm -hmm. when you gave them their information on what they needed to build their characters you said okay 
this is what you know. You know you've been a group for X amount of time. You've been traveling. You've had some adventures together. So that one is sort of like their backstory. Yeah. In a way. So you're okay. like, you're like, okay. So imagine they were brand new players, and you said, you guys are a, a, an adventuring group. You work for the Cerberus Assembly. You have discovered a strange item, a shard of metal. No one knows what it is, and your job is to find out what it is. That that is mm. session zero. Build your characters, and then you start the story fresh from there. Like think, try and think of it that way rather than how do I fix everything that's happened before? You don't need to fix everything that's happened before. It's happened. It's been and gone. Let's move from that point and make it a cognitive story let's make it make sense yeah that's i appreciate that that's made me very optimistic about the story mm. and i now know where i need to go thank you agony arm no that's all right it's good <laughs> i hope that's helpful to other people too i think yeah I th- that's that's the main thing like it's just like it's it's so it's going to be so different from person to person because everything's going to have a different experience. If if your campaign's got off the rails, it, it can feel really daunting, but it's just about... It's really scary as well. Yeah, like, man, yeah. You, because you don't want to, like... You don't want to just give up impress... and say, I, yeah, this you, story's gone off the rails. You don't want to give up and you don't want to not impress your, ca- your player characters. So I feel like mm. it's probably a fairly common problem that... I mean, sort it's it's happened to me. Solving. Like exactly, Esteroff has kind of stopped, and I need to just rebuild it and take stock. And and what yeah. what I have to do is look at what's happened, look at the story, and then not start afresh, but start afresh in the sense that okay, here are it's here like is my chapter. yeah, like here's my foundation. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna build on top of it. I'm not gonna worry about what's come before. I'm just gonna develop new and mm. make sure that it it links in with the characters and the story that I'm telling. Um, but yeah, I think your, your step-by-step guide is go away, think about the, the antagonist, cause that's a big thing for you, work them out mm-hmm. and then work out your, your plot keys, your kind of cool moments, maybe plan some set pieces. Like if you think, oh, I'd really love to run a set piece where they're fighting on a bridge with an avalanche. Thank you, Joe. And, um, <laughs> I, I'd love to do that at some point, just write it down somewhere. And if it ever comes up, then great. You've got it, you know, but yeah. The key thing is to get those antagonists done, get those plot hooks, those plot keys, those bits of information that kind of the things that the players need to learn to progress the story. Get that written down and then work out how you're going to deliver it to the characters across the sessions across time. Yeah. And pad up with That sounds perfect. Pad it up with with short side quests, you know? If they go, okay, and we've interesting got NPCs. Yeah, if we've got this sword <laughs> shard, but we don't know where to go. Well, hey, you're out in the middle of the wildness, you know, the snow wilderness, and you, uh, you need to, I don't know, use this, you know, help this lost child get back to civilization. When they get to civilization, hey, that's where the next plot key will be. Yep, one hundred percent. I like it. Cool. Thank you. No worries. I hope that has actually helped. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it has because i now sort of like i feel like before i was very messy and not knowing where to go where having a sort of like direction and some key pointers mm. like just hey maybe try doing it that way instead of you know this chaos barrage i think that's helped me a lot so i appreciate that cool i'm good i'm i'm glad sorry i'm good i i'm glad that that <laughs> i'm good at this i'm great no I'm, I'm glad that that's helped and i it was i i just when i when i when you said when you asked me for, for, for help 
and you said, Lynn, oh, my brain's so mushy now that I've been thinking about this for an hour and a half. When you asked me for my help, I thought, God, let's record it because this is this conversation, like just hearing about your game and trying to work it out with you is not something that I could sit down and tell someone how to do. So I'm hoping that if anyone sees this bonus episode and goes, ah, oh, they're fixing a derailed campaign. I feel like my campaign's derailed. And you, you, yeah. you go through this hour and a half of just jumbled like information and then listen to my takeaway points, my, my tips, then hopefully that will help you go away and do the same thing for your campaign. I mean, I mean, congratulations if you've managed to listen through all of this, because your story, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, Sam, your story was a little convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it's all over the place it's a cha- it's just chaos pure chaos but hey you've got the you've got the tools now to go and find order in that mm-hmm. and what oh, what a yeah, fantastic order. what a fantastic metaphor when you're dealing with demons as well <laughs> yeah all right i'm going to go and have a very 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 stiff drink because that's <laughs> blown my brain <laughs> but has that uh, has that sort of like brain cloud now infected you as well no i'm i'm impervious to it because i am a god sam that's uh oh i forgot ben yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, i forgot okay <laughs> well look i'm glad you got some help out of that thank you for um thank you for allowing me to like go through this is like a fun puzzle to try and piece together um yeah uh i guess as ever if you've enjoyed this bonus episode of the podcast then uh, you can get in touch with us at we speak common at hotmail.com that's the email we speak common.com is the website with all of the links uh, at we speak common on twitter and instagram and if you want to support the show there is the patreon which is the best way to do it but if you don't want to do it that way because hey it's optional i totally get it then the best thing you can do is to just shout about the podcast retweet it share it places put it in front of people's noses i want them to to get (laughs) sick of you telling them to listen that would be that'd be amazing that's honestly the the most helpful and easiest thing that anyone can do so uh, it means more than you know um sam you got work to do so i'm gonna leave you to go and uh, i do do i have homework now you do you have lots of homework (laughs) off you go see you later i'm about to leave now (laughs) bye-bye thanks for listening today if you like the show do us a favor leave us a like and review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends send us to your fellow dms and players so that we can build our community even more it really helps to get us out in front of more eyes if you want to support the show you can by joining our patreon links can be found in the show description and the episode descriptions on all platforms the music in the podcast is street dancing by timecrawler82 it's licensed under a creative commerce license by nc you can find it on the free music archive <laughs>